Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. back y'all what's up how's everyone doing today i gotta tell you something here's the deal i'm ready to have some fun in church okay north campus south campus let's have some fun we got all these babies in the house i love babies my brother and his wife had a baby i'm like man i got like we got an 11 month old and i'm already like can we have another one like some of you like like nervous laughter with all the moms y'all can we give it up for the moms real quick we're celebrating all these babies north campus south campus it's the moms that have done all the work. The babies haven't done anything yet, right? Man, this series is called You in Five Years, and we're starting it today. And, and kind of the whole theme, what we're talking about, what we're looking at is how uh, we are going somewhere, and we will be somewhere in five years. Like every one of us in our lives, like we're moving in some direction, but a lot of times we fail to see that the decisions I make today actually are going to lead to where I end up tomorrow. Right? And we have a hope, we have a dream of where we're going to be. Even back at the beginning of this year, you probably had some New Year's resolutions if you're the kind of person that makes those, right? You write down stuff, and like you have no plan at all how you're going to accomplish those, but you wrote them down. And if you're like most of us, you don't even remember what they are right now, right? Like you're not doing that anymore. You had a goal, but then a goal without a plan is just a dream. And all of us, we want to be somewhere in five years. The question is, is the decisions and are the decisions we're making right now going to lead us to be who we want to be in five years? Or is it going to be somewhere far off from where we want to be? And this is the one thing I hope you can remember through the series. We're going to talk about this for several weeks. We're going to hit different angles. So make sure you come back every single week. A lot of people, you take, like, we take summers off. We come about half of the time. But I'd encourage you, one small thing you can do for you, for your family, is come back to church. Come every single week. Even if you're like, I can't do it all year, that's okay. Let's try to do it these next four weeks because then if you can do that, imagine the knowledge you'll have to set you up to be who you want to be and to behave how you want to behave and to have the character you want to have five years from now. Because honestly, five years is going to be an incredible amount of time. And this is the one thing I hope you can remember the whole time is that your decisions determine direction. Your decisions determine direction. No matter what your decisions are, they're determining something. You are going somewhere, good or bad, is going to happen. As we were talking about uh, baby dedications and thinking about stuff, I thought about my life five years ago. Uh, so five years ago, my wife and I, we were expecting the birth of our first child. It was super exciting. We got a picture actually here. Um, Y'all can see this. I'm not sure why people are laughing. People are gasping. I think I heard Isaiah laugh from the South Campus. Right, like, y'all, like, oh my goodness. And here's the deal if you know me and my family, like, Rachel, if you know Rachel, she looks about the same, right? Like, she's just not pregnant now, right? She looks about the same, but like, five years have not been as kind to me. Like, you guys see that, right? Like, I'm looking at, like, people, like, you, it doesn't even look like you. Like, no. And this is like a, a picture of us. Actually, next month we celebrate our first and our third daughter's birth. Uh, this is Mela five years ago. This is baby Justin, baby Mela in the hospital holding her going, man, my life just changed in a huge way. And it's crazy. And if I can be honest with you, it, it legitimately, like, it is a common occurrence for me to sit on the couch and watch my little girls dance and play and to me get teared up and, like, pull them close and want to hug them and be sweet. And they're like, leave me alone. I'm trying to play. And I'm like, it's going so fast. Like, life moves so fast, even if you don't have kids. Think about it. You just graduated high school. Remember when you went into eighth grade? Like, man, it seemed like forever, and the days can seem slow right now. You're in the middle of a semester. You just finished a semester. You're hoping college is over. The days are slow, but the years fly by. And the last five years for my wife and I, we've had a lot of transition. We've moved a few times. We went from this, like, little crusty one-bedroom apartment, 
right? Y'all have been there. Some of you have been there, right? Anyone, put a hand up. South Campus, you do it too. You've been the crusty one-bedroom apartment. Like, like ours was so crusty. Uh, thank you for your honesty, right? Ours was so crusty. Our thermostat didn't work. The neighbors next door control the thermostat for both apartments, right? Like, I mean, like, we were so happy to be by ourselves. It was great. We had our own place, but, like, y'all, it was... It was dirty. Like, I wouldn't want my kids living there, right? So over the last five years, we've moved a few times. We left an organization we're working with three about three years ago. We moved down here to the, the land of paradise to live in Florida. Man, I work at this church. I love the people of this church. We are so excited. We love being here. We love this church, but we've had so many transitions in life. We bought a house last year, which is awesome. Houses are great, but they're also, I mean, an incredible amount of work. A lot of good things, but just a lot of transition. And maybe if you're thinking of your life, you go back five years and you can go like time hopping things on social media or just try to recount the things that have happened. Like your life has changed so much in five years. And the reality is your life is going to continue to change in the next five years. Like and we want change. Like you don't want to have one year of experience five times over, Right. Like, you don't want where you're at, your marketplace. Maybe you own a company. Maybe you work for a company. Maybe you're trying to get a job. You don't want to have the same job making the same money at the same company five years from now. Like, if you did, you'd probably look up in five years and go, man, like, I'm a loser. Right? Like, we want things to happen. Some of you want to be where you're at. That's totally fine, okay? I'm not calling you a loser. But I'm just saying, like, most of us, we want to do something. We want a bigger house. We want a nicer car. We want a better situation for the relationships we're in. And as you think about it, like, five years is enough time to actually get a whole lot of, like, miles on life, but not so much we can't envision it. And think about this. In the next five years, here's some great things you could do. Right? You could start a new hobby that turns into a skill that you know. Like, right now, you have no idea how to play an instrument. But you decide, I want to be a musician, so I start practicing. If you practiced, you know, a couple times a week and you had a coach, a teacher, in five years, you could be a great musician. Right? You wouldn't probably be world class, but you'd be... You know, you'd be pretty good after five years. Maybe right now you burn water and, like, you can't cook to save your life. And you think in five years, don't elbow somebody you're sitting next to, okay? In five years, you could be a great cook. In five years, you could take your company, you could double, triple, whatever kind of factor you want to get to. You could grow something incredible. In five years, you could be graduating college, graduating high school. You could buy a house. Imagine you could be 100% debt-free in five years. And you might say, well, that's impossible, impossible if you don't have a plan. If you got a plan, like I could point to people in our gathering who are completely debt-free early off their mortgage. They're not in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. They're in like their 40s and 50s. People who say, we have a plan. We're going to work towards something. Imagine what you could do for good in five years if you had a plan. If you understood the decisions right now are going to determine the direction I'm at. But also, you could find yourself in a world of hurt in five years. Right? In five years, you could be trying to figure out what to do with your kids on your weekend with the kids because for whatever decisions that were made, maybe yours, maybe theirs, the marriage just eroded and fell apart, and now we got to figure out how I'm going to care for my kids when they live across town, and, and you could be trying to figure that out. In five years, you could wake up in a prison cell somewhere because of a decision you made and go, well, I'm halfway through this sentence in five years. You could say, I'm, I'm enslaved to a horrible addiction. And right now, today, you go, it doesn't really matter, it's just a little thing. But like five years from now, you have no idea the power will have over you. Five years from now, as I mentioned, graduating college, you could find yourself suffocated with debt. The reason I'm associating college with debt is because the average college graduate in the state of Florida two years ago graduated $35,000 in student loan debt. Just student loan debt. Now, this would be my uninvited, unsolicited advice to parents and graduates, okay? So if you don't like this, that's okay. You didn't ask for it. You don't have to take it. But I'd say two things. Find a school you can afford, not a school you like. A school you, you can like a school for all sorts of reasons. That's great. The point of education is to get a usable degree to go make money in the marketplace, so find a school you can afford that's going to equip you and get you ready to go do that. If you want to have a college experience, go to a beach on spring break, Right? I don't know if pastors can say that from the pulpit, but, like, let's be real. Like, the college experience, like, you're not looking forward to studying. Find a school you can afford. And then also the second thing would be um, most universities have these places all around campus that you can actually go to. You fill out a form. You go to. You show up. You do tasks for them, and they give you what's called a paycheck. 
It's called a, a job, okay? And here's the deal. Again, parents, I know you're talking, well, I want my kid to focus on studying. If education matters, tell your kid to get a job because the statistics show if you work 20 hours or less a week as a college student, you will have a higher GPA. If you work more than 20, you're working too much, you're not going to fo- focus on school, your GPA actually goes down a little bit. But of people who were polled, the people who had a job had a higher GPA. And what I'd say is, it's a, funny, if you think about it, average person graduates $35,000 in student loans. That's not cars, that's not credit cards, that's not anything else. That's just student loans, okay? If you go get a job and you work part-time, about 20 hours a week over the next five years, guess how much money you'll make? $35,000. That's a $70,000 swing. So where do you want to be in five years? And just know, eyes wide open, full disclosure, when I'm signing loans, especially federally insured loans that you cannot bankrupt, you will pay it back. Scripture says the borrower is slave to the lender, so don't enslave your future for right now. That's for everybody. That's not just college students, okay? So I'll get off that soapbox. We'll be done there, okay? Mom and dad, sorry about that. College graduate, focus on your school. Focus on getting in life to where you want to be five years from now. Imagine five years from now, you could find yourself unemployable and without a job because of decisions you made on the workforce. Like, like think about the, the impact your decisions today have over the course of the next five years. But what happens a lot of times, we overestimate the immediate and we underestimate the future. Bill Gates said it this way, most people underestimate or overestimate what they can do in one year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Now, I'm not sure if you've heard of Bill Gates. He's done all right for himself. It's not like the Bible gospel truth, but that's pretty good advice. Over the next five years, the decisions you make right now, you might find yourself in a horrible situation. If you can make the correct decisions, you can find yourself far away from where you are right now. And this is reality is that it's not just my words. It's not just Bill Gates talking about time. God actually cares a crazy amount about time. He cares about what we do with our time. He cares about how we handle our time. We're going to look at some passages today where it talks about time because time is not on our side. And this is where we got to make sure the life that we live and the life we live today is the life we want to have five years from now. So this guy named Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome. And Paul is a real person. He went and he established real churches in real cities, right? Like if you look in the New Testament, there are books like the Thessalonians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, all the Eans. Basically, Paul was writing to these people. But those are like modern-day cities, modern-day countries like Turkey and Greece and Rome. And this is a chance where we can actually go. You could go to the area where Paul wrote letters, like you can find, like, like go into Greece and you can find Mars Hill where he had this huge debate between himself and philosophers, right? Like you can go to places. This isn't just made up fairy tale. So this even gives us a gripping to our faith where we can go, if you got questions, which, hey, we all should have questions. We all should be wrestling with things almost regularly. And if I have questions, I can go back and see there's actually like historical data about Paul. And Paul said this, which kind of validates a lot of what he said, is that if Jesus did not come back from the dead, then his message is useless. And I'd say the same thing is true for me today. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead, what I have to say is pointless. It's useless. If Jesus is not the center of everything, then anything you have is nothing. And this is where for all of us, we can investigate the scriptures. We should, even if you're like, I grew up in church and I just believe everything, you should still investigate it because it will add credibility, add confidence, add depth to your faith. So even go back and look at the story of Jesus because if Jesus rose from the dead, that changes everything. But if he didn't, that changes everything as well. So this is what Paul said, and he said this to the church of Rome. We're going to be in Romans 13. If you have a Bible, check out Romans 13. Read it for yourself. Uh, But also, if you have a phone, download the CC app, the Centerpoint Florida app. And in there, even under message resources, you can find uh, notes for today's message where all the passages of Scripture are right there. You can put all the blanks right there. And writing stuff down, if you're like most of us, will help you remember. So write stuff down. If you take notes, think about this. Write it down. This is what Paul says in Romans 13. Y'all with me at the North campus? South campus, you guys with me? Awesome. Awesome. Love it. All right, this is what he says. Verse 11, chapter 13 said, and do this, understanding the present time. Now, we got to understand the present time. We also have to understand the context of what's going around in this passage. 
Okay, because scripture is like this. You've got to understand what's going on in the whole page, not just that verse. It's like if you've ever seen a headline, you click on the headline, and then you read the article on like BuzzFeed, ESPN, whatever news outlet, and you read the whole article, and you go, like what they quoted them on is not actually what really happened. You get the whole context. That's what we do is in scripture, when you're reading stuff, you got to look at the whole context. Even in this chapter, Paul is talking about two things previous in, in chapter 13. Uh, he talks about two things. First is honoring and living peaceably under your governing authorities. Okay, that's an important thing. For believers, we honor and live peaceably under our governing authorities. The second thing that he talked about is uh, how we should owe no debt to anyone. Imagine that debt comes up again. Okay, No debt to anyone except to love one another. So live peaceably with your authorities, owe nothing but love to each other, and then now this is what you have to do. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Basically what Paul is saying is you have to know what's going on. You have to understand time. And not time and just like a what time of day it is. What time is this going to be over? What time do we have lunch? But understand like, even the seasons of life, like what is going on? Have an understanding. Pay attention to it. Because for some of us, we're in a season of life that is, in comparison, the rest of our life is really short. Like some of you, you remember high school. Way back. Some of you, it's a little bit further back. And you think even in those days in high school screens, we can talk with you. We were right there with you. We felt in those days, man, it was like those days were long. But now you're years removed from it and you go, man, that's so fast. Understand the season you're in because through the seasons of life, we have an attempt. And honestly, most of the time we become different people through our seasons. Understand my life is hard right now. They're a jerk to me. She is not treating me well. They cheated me. This coach is good for me, this employer, whatever it might be. Understand the season of life because a lot of times what happens around us ultimately starts impacting what's going on inside of us. But they don't have control over what's happening inside of us. So even a question to be asking yourself as you go through seasons of life, because every life has different seasons. Even right now, my family, we're in the season. we got young kids. You know, it's hard, right? These little people, you think you could, like, help them and get them to do things you want and listen to you and, like, no. It's ama- amazing all the advice you have for parents before you're a parent, right? <laughs> then you have a couple of them, and you're like, why would anybody do this? And it gets better, we hear, but then we also hear it gets worse, and we don't know what to do. And understand, like, the season of life that I'm in right now will not last forever. And the question you got to ask is, who's I'm, who am I becoming in this season? Because you're becoming somebody. And is that the somebody you want to be? And even as you continue thinking through scriptures and thinking about Paul's writing in particular, he talks about sufferings and difficulties and helping people understand, like, it's going to come. Okay, if we could just be real for a second, like, like Scripture promises difficulty for those who follow Jesus because our ultimate authority and kingdom is in heaven and it will be coming back one day, but that's not today. So we can walk through this temporary life, understand, man, like, I get it, it's hard. It wasn't supposed to be easy. It's difficult, but we are holding on to a greater promise than what this world can offer. And we really believe it will be greater. And Paul, through teaching about suffering, said we are more than conquerors for those who are in Christ. And here's the reality. In your season, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter what's going on, you may have become a victim through something happening to you. And I am sorry something happened to you. But there's a lot of times, if we're honest, you can investigate this in your own heart, in your own mind. There's a lot of times where I'm not a victim, I just am playing a victim. Again, some of you, you are a victim. I'm not talking to you. You had something done to you that was horrible, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. But there's a lot of us where we go, oh, man, the boss is just a jerk just to me. I'm upset about my situation. It's all about me. And I get kind of down on myself instead of reminding myself of the truth of Scripture. I'm more than a conqueror. And, but the truth is, though, a conqueror doesn't mean that I just get to leave the season. It means I get to redeem the season. It means I get to walk through the difficulty. Because what's more powerful than walking through difficulty with your head up? 
with your hope in something and say, man, this sucks. This is hard. This is difficult. I know the situation, but hey, guess what? I am more than a conqueror. Death and sin have been defeated, and they will be defeated in my life, and I'm going to continue walking towards my king because I'm not a victim. I'm a conqueror. Like, that is the truth. We have to go through our brains again and again and again, and this is the truth. The reality is that is far more powerful than simply jumping ship. Things get hard, and I, I bounce. I'm out. I'm done with this. There's no power in that. Cowards run. Conquerors walk through stuff. So we as believers, we have the hope. We get to walk through stuff. We can walk through things. And this is what uh, David even said. Talk about fleeting time. Talk about time is just going. Right? Like understand the time. Time is so fast. This is what David said. David wrote this hundreds of years before Paul. In Psalm 39, it says, you've made my days a mere hand breath. It means like the size of your hand, God. That's so how fast it goes. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. That's like the encouraging word you came to church for today. Even people who seem secure, they're but a breath. Be blessed. Go home. No, but this is the reality, isn't it? Like, man, they seem like they had it together. It's, it's, it's instant. Like, Father Time always wins. Right? Then you go on, he said this also in Psalm 90. This is his poetic writing, which if you are into poetry, into creative things, I would say, go read the Psalms. Like, connect your heart to God's heart through the creative expression of God through his writers. If you're a creative person, say, I want to learn that way. This is what David says in Psalm 90. He says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. Not fear. Sometimes we, we get into situations where we understand how much time we have left, and it makes us afraid, and we hope we can get everything done. Right? And what Scripture says, what David says, is that when we understand the time we have left, it actually gives us wisdom to apply what we believe to be true. If you found out you had weeks or months to live, there's a lot of things, man, a whole lot of things wouldn't matter anymore. Now, some of you, like, we're watching the, the World Cup, we're watching the finals, we're watching whatever, like, like you're not going to waste your time watching sports. Or if you do, you're saying, I'm going to buy a ticket, I'm going to go over there, I'm going to watch it. You determine what is valuable to you when you find out the time you have left. You become wise when you know the time you have. And this is what, they, uh, back to what Paul says, this is instructions for us. Now, we understand time is fleeting. We understand time is going so fast. So what are we supposed to do? It says here, verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Is an exchange. And this little phrase here, put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light, is what theologians and the scholars would call the, the doctrine of sanctification. Right? Now, sometimes we go, well, I, I didn't go to school for this, so I don't know what those big words mean, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Like, you need to know what big words mean because they have power over your life, okay? So I'm going to break this down real quickly for you. Three parts of the process of sanctification. The first part is salvation. When you think of salvation, you think gift. You, everyone, North Campus, South Campus, y'all say gift, I'll say it again with authority. Gift. Think gift. Salvation is the gift where we get to turn to God, where Jesus came and he restored all of humanity back to himself because you know there's brokenness in you. You know there's brokenness in me. Every single one of us has a broken nature and God came through and God has restored all of humanity through his perfect sacrifice. Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross showed that he has the power over death and over sin where he is able to offer us a free path to God. Jesus is not simply the message or he's not the messenger. He's the message. He is the whole point of everything. Thing. And it's a gift. Immediately you are given his goodness. Immediately you are taking your debts, the things you deserve for your wrongdoing, and you give it over to him. It's an immediate transaction. It's a gift. Everybody, make some noise if you have received this gift of salvation. North Campus, South Campus, this is what we come around for, but that's only part one. And if you stay right there, you go, well, I got this great gift. Now I don't know what to do with it. The second part is the, the sanctification. Everybody say, grow. So salvation is a gift. It's an immediate God gives you his righteousness. He takes your deeds, your debts. He takes all of that. Sanctification is the growing. It's a slow, gradual process where step by step, day by day, I'm taking Jesus' deeds and they're going on into my life. His mind and heart are becoming part of my mind and heart. I begin to live how he would have me to live. Not because I have to, but because I want to. I see it's the best way to live. 
And some of y'all need to understand this. This isn't like a straight line. It's like, man, I'm all over the place with this stuff. Because I got this thing under control. And I, got, I got this thing, like, I understand this. It's on my heart and my mind. And then this thing over here comes out of nowhere. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that. I didn't even see that coming. This is the, the process. That's why it's called the process of sanctification. It's growing. The last part is glorification. Y'all say glory. glory. This is where we get to party with God forever. This is where we are with him in an eternal state. The new heaven, the new earth has come down. This is where we get, oh, man, we're scared. Don't look at the back of the book. Revelation's scary. Y'all, read Revelation. Check it out. It's going to be a party. Satan's going to get kicked in the face a few times or a few different people. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be put away forever. Y'all don't celebrate when we talk about Satan getting kicked in the face. That's okay. South Campus, you guys did. But here's the deal. We get the glory then. We get the gift right now, we grow through the process, and then we get the glory. But also, Scripture talks about as we go through difficulties, there is, Paul puts it this way, a peculiar glory we receive. So as you're going through the growing part of sanctification, go, I just wish you could be in heaven. You're getting something right now. You're getting heaven down to earth right here, right now. This is the process of sanctification. This is where we as believers, we go, man, I need to get in community because in a community, someone's going to help me with this. Or I don't know what I'm doing and I'm trying to do things. And for a lot of us, we go, man, there are things in, in scriptures I didn't even know that was wrong. Like totally honest, legitimately, I had no idea that was wrong. And you need believers around you who love and care about you and can say, hey, let me help you with that. I'm not going to beat you up about this. I'm not going to take the Bible and smash it over your head. I'm not going to just berate you and judge you. I'm going to walk beside you and love you because I understand, although you've been given the gift of eternity where John 10, Jesus says that you were put into God's hand. He holds you. Nothing can break you out of God's hand. It's a gift you did not earn. You did not receive, so you cannot lose it by what you do because it was never given to you based on what you do. And this is where you can acknowledge you've been given this gift. Now i got to help you grow some. This is where we come together as believers and we get to do this with each other. This is why it's not just about Sunday morning. It's about Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Friday night. Get into a group. Get into community. And for some of you, get into serving. Got a little fired up on that one. It's good. I'll preach over to you, Paul. I got that. So then this is what he says. He tells us this is what we need to do. But then he goes and he says here, Romans 13, 13, it says, Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, nor in sexual morality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. It's interesting. You look at this list and some of you are like wiping your brow right now. Like, whew, my thing's not on the list. I'm good. This is not an exhaustive list. There's a whole lot of other things. You can look all over Scripture. You can find all sorts of things. Even Jesus was constantly raising the bar. You look at the teaching of Jesus. Jesus never pointed simply to the law and said, don't do. He said, don't want. He pointed to the heart and said, it's your desires coming out. I want you to get a place where you don't even want that, where what you get in God is so much better than that thing. I know right now that thing seems so appealing, but I want you to get God's heart and mind on your heart and mind to the point where you don't even want that thing anymore. Because it's really easy to control my hands. It's really hard to control my heart. The interesting thing is, he, as you read through this, and some of you, you're like, man, it talks about different things. This is what's interesting. It talks about sexual immorality, but it also talks about dissension and jealousy. Now, dissensions is talking about, like, gossip, talking with the intention to divide. Now, now, here's the deal. Sometimes we look at those two things, even in particular, we could pull out in drunkenness. Like, drunkenness is horrible, right? It's going to break apart your family. The immediate implications of drunkenness are much greater than gossip, are they not? But you do that over the next five years, gossip's going to tear your family apart just like getting drunk will. And for some of us, we're going, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It is because it's leading somewhere. Now, here's the truth, too, and this is the hope you need to have. If you find yourself this morning in a place where, like, I don't want to be here in five years, here's the hope that you have. There are people in our gathering five years ago, if you heard their stories, you'd be blown away where they were five years ago. They say, well, you guys were, like, on the verge. You guys were, like, filing for divorce. You guys were splitting up. You guys were completely bankrupt and indebted to everything. Like, you had this, your business, your kids, all these situations. You were estranged from your family, all these situations. And you said, over five years, you simply turned to Jesus and trusted Jesus. You saw him do a work in your life. You experienced the grace, not just the gift, but the growing grace of God. Like, you would not believe the places people in this room have been. 
And God brought them from that to where he has them down, not where they're perfect, but where they're walking towards him. And again, just because the immediate consequences are different, it doesn't mean that the power is different. You go in your workplace, you start gossiping, you see what kind of impact that has over the next five years of your relationships at work. You may say, oh, it's just a small thing. It's just a, a. This is why scripture tells us to stay away from these things because God is outside of time and God sees everything. He says, you're going to do that. You're going to end in a bad place. And I know where it's ending. That's why God says, stay away from those things. Right now, I know it's fun. Right now, I know it's enjoyable. God created us. You imagine this? God created us with all of our senses so we can smell, we can touch, we can feel, we can taste. We can, like, he created us with all these senses. He wants us to experience life, but he wants us to experience life to the fullest. And when you do something that is going to destroy you, you're not living life to the fullest. And Paul goes in and he tells us, hey, don't do these things. But then he says, rather... This is verse 14, rather clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think of how to gratify the desires of your flesh. He's telling them, be active in this. Like, you clothe you. I can't clothe you. I can't take your heart and shape your heart and change your heart. That's God in you. I can be right there. I can pray for you. I can be right beside you. But you have to be active in this. This is where even we acknowledge the parents dedicating their kids. This is where even as like the next gen pastor, man, I love families. I love kids. But I am not, our staff is not, our bridge builders are not the primary spiritual authority in your kid's life. You are. We get the privilege of coming alongside of you and trying to help you and say, hey, how can we help you? How can we partner with you? You would not know. Man, we have dozens and dozens of small group leaders who love your kids. And they want what's best for your kids. And they would love to talk with you about your kids. Not because they have some kind of information you don't have, but because they care about them. And I don't know about you, but if I got people around me that love my kids and care about them, I want as many of those people as possible. I don't want to be talking with them. I want to be interacting with them. I want to get their number and text them and ask them questions and help. And, and some of you, you got some students going through high school and middle school. I have no idea what to do. What am I supposed to do? You, one of the things you can do really practically is get in touch with your kid's small group leader. Again, not because they have some power you don't have or some authority you don't have. You have all the authority, all the power in your kid's life. God designed it that way for parents to impact their kids in a great way. But, but it never hurts to have more people on the bench, right? It doesn't hurt to get more people. And what he's saying is you have to clothe yourself. You have to be involved in this. And you have to be active because time alone is not going to change you. This reality is, is time will not change who you are. It simply exposes who you are. My dad used to say something like this. He'd say, boys and my sister, he'd say, hey, kids, listen, uh, beauty's only skin deep, but ugly goes straight to the bone. Although it sounds like he's just talking about, like, appearance and it's really shallow, it's really, there's a lot of truth to that. He's talking about the character. And she might look good, he might look good, they might have something you want, but long term, that little bit of crazy you saw, there's a lot of crazy under that. That little bit of, of, of gambling, problem, a little bit of financial thing, whatever it is, you go into business. This isn't even just romantic relationships. This isn't business. You go into business with somebody and you're partnering with them and, and imagine the, the power, the business partnership. And you go, oh, they're a little bit shady, but you know, I, I'm gonna, I'll be here. I have integrity. It's going to be fine. You're not going to change them. And time is not going to change them. Time will simply expose who they are. And this is the reality. There's two things I want to say about this, and then we'll keep going here. The first thing is you cannot change them because you don't have the power to change them. You need a supernatural power to come in and to change people. And this is the truth. Again, we have a gathering. We have a house that has people who have been changed supernaturally. Again, we could line people up and they could tell stories about the changes in their marriages, changes in their workspace, changes in themselves, where God has done an incredible work in their life. And you cannot change them. I'm, I know right now you think your love can change them. Your love alone can't change them. And that sucks. And it's hard. Because you love them, and you want to change them. The second reality with this, and, and this, is, this is difficult for a lot of us to swallow, but I just felt the need, even through preparing this week, I felt the need just to emphasize this point, is that because you don't have the power to change them, not, them not changing is not your fault. 
And again, there's a whole bunch of us that are like, man, like, like maybe it's your parent, maybe it's your sibling, maybe it's your kid, maybe it's your coworker, your neighbor, and you go, man, if anything, I wish I could just change them, and they didn't change, and now I feel guilty because I let them down. That burden's not made for your shoulders. Because your shoulders don't have the power to change them. You, you can't hold the guilt and shame over your life because they didn't change. So I want to give you a chance for freedom to say, I want to walk in that freedom that I, I can't change them. I couldn't change them. I was there. I supported them. I sat right them, there with them through the situation. I was there the whole time. I did everything I could, but everything I could was not enough. And you can find freedom in that in a strange way. Paul is really clear how we change in this passage, but then also if you go a few paragraphs before the previous chapter, chapter 12, he lays out how we change. Chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, change starts in your thinking. Change starts in your mind. Even if you look back here at verse 13, 14 of chapter 13, it says, do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful flesh. Then chapter 12, he says, change your thinking, change your mind, because this is the truth. Someone has been with you through every dumb thing you've ever done. Someone has been with you through every regret you have, every foolish thing you did. There's been one person that's been with you through all of it, and it's you. There's one voice I've listened through every dumb thing, everything I've regretted, anything I did, I shouldn't have done that. The one voice I always was listening to was my own. And this is where you got to change your thinking. You don't simply try to change your behavior. You got to change your thinking. You got to choose differently. Again, the decisions determine your direction for life. So what are the decisions you're making based off what you're thinking about yourself, about others, about whatever the situation is? You've got to change the way you think. And also the second part of this, this verse is then you'll be able, when your brain is different, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. Like wouldn't you want to know what God's perfect will is? Like, like, let's be honest, a lot of us, we think and we ask a lot of times, that's generally when we pray the most, is either something really bad is going to happen or I'm trying to figure out what I should do. Imagine five years from now, you're someone who, you started something small, you started reading scripture, you started to understand scripture, you started to understand God, you got in community, you started serving, you go, man, I'm doing stuff with my faith, I'm not just sitting there, like, I actually, things are changing, I'm becoming the person I want to be, and then you come into a situation, you go, I got to figure out what I'm supposed to do here, it's pretty obvious, I need to do that thing, that's what God would want me to do. You don't need to wring your hands and pray over it and try to figure it out. It's obvious because you spent the time changing your thinking, changing your mind, so you know what God's will is. But what happens is we just sit and pray, God, show me your will. I don't want to think like you think, but I want you to do what I want to do what you're calling me to do. We gotta start thinking differently. And the small decisions we're making right now are gonna have massive impact in our future. To, to illustrate this, I thought, uh, I was trying to think about how I could do this, and I thought about a compass. Now, a lot of us, you've never used a compass, a real compass, in your life. You probably have been bored and played with a compass on your phone from time to time, figure out, like, which way is north, which way is south, right? A lot of us have done it. There's no shame in that, right? We've all done it. Uh, or you think you're like a, a navigator because you can use your map app real good on your phone. Can I just tell you the truth? Um, you're not that good. Uh, if you get lost in the woods, you're going to get eaten by something. Um, but uh, I grew up camping a lot uh, and, like, real camping. Like, everything comes in and out with a backpack, right? Like, you walk to where you're staying, not, like, camping for some of you. Like, I stayed at a hotel that didn't have a breakfast, and I had to go rough it and find the nearest Starbucks to get coffee and breakfast, right? So, so I want to explain real quick how a compass works. It's actually pretty simple when you know how to use it. You get a map, and on the map, every map has what's called a legend in it. And in the legend, it has where north is. It shows you, like, what the different symbols mean on the map so you can understand, like, oh, that's a stream, that's a river, that's a railroad track, whatever it might be. And you take, you put your compass, and you line up, you align north. You've got to change your perspective. You've got to change the way you're looking. Don't miss that. A lot of times, you've got to change the way you're looking to figure out where north is, Okay? 
And when you figure out north, then you put your compass to where your compass north arrow is pointing north the same way on the map. And then if you want to figure out where to go, you turn the map and you figure out what degree. There's 360 degrees on a compass, okay? Y'all can see that real fine right there. 360 degrees. Take my word for it. You can figure out where you're supposed to go based off of the degree that is pointing the direction you need to go. Okay, you all following me? Right, so if I need to go like 287 degrees south, then I know I just keep going that way. If I keep going that way long enough, I'll end up where I need to go. So I was thinking about that. I thought, okay, so, so there's about 1,800 days in five years. That's really far. We went north 1,800 miles. Honestly, we ended up in Canada. Um, so I thought, my grandmother lives up north, right? And we're all trying to get over the river through the woods at grandmother's house, Right. That's like forever. We're trying to figure it out. True story. My wife and I, uh, I think it was last year for Thanksgiving, drove 17 hours in the car with two kids through the night, arrived, and we had the wrong address. And we had to drive another 35 minutes to my parents' house. Bless them all. So here's the deal. If I am trying to get to my grandmother's house, it's about 1,200 miles away. And if I'm looking at my map and I go, hey, you know what? I, I don't need to worry about being that specific I'm going to be like just a little bit off, like say 10 degrees off, okay? It's not a big deal. The 10 degrees literally is like this. You see that? Like I'm hardly moving. That's 10 degrees right here. But if I go 10 degrees and I walk to the back of this room, that's about 50, 60 feet, doesn't matter, north campus, south campus, it's about the same distance, I'd be off by about five or seven feet, okay? And I keep walking, and five, seven feet, that's not a big deal. I could, if I, I, need, I reach over and grab something, I'm still in the same building. It's not a big deal. But if I go 200 miles, I'm going to be off by about 40 miles. If I go another couple hundred miles, I go about 360 miles, I'm off by about 60 miles. Right? Savannah, Georgia is about 360 miles from here. Imagine being in a little tiny town of Claxton, Georgia, if you're trying to get to Savannah. I don't know anything about Claxton, Georgia. I'm not supposed to be here, but I'm off a little bit. You keep going. Again, if you're using a compass, you keep going. By the time you would travel all the way to Ohio where my grandmother lives, instead of being in Ohio, you'd be about 170 miles east in a little town in western Pennsylvania. Now, I, I don't have any shade to throw at western Pennsylvania, but I don't want to be there because I'm trying to get to my grandmother's house. And in modern day, like, we have transportation. We have cars. 170 miles is not the end of the world. But can you imagine if you're on foot? And this small, seemingly insignificant difference right here suddenly seems like a big deal. And choosing to follow that path right now doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But it has a profound impact on our future. For some of us, if we're honest and if we're real right now, we are beginning to choose things that are just a little bit off. And we think it doesn't matter. Let's be real. Students, you're not thinking about school right now because you're in summer, and this next school year, whether you're high school, college, middle school, wherever you're at, you go, well, I don't need to study that much. Choosing not to study now could end up in you not graduating later. Right? And here's the deal, too. Like, colleges don't mind you retaking classes because you pay them money. Okay? I'm not, like, against colleges. I went to college. My wife went to college. College is great, but it's a tool. Imagine right now, you know, I'm just going to work a little bit later. I'm just going to work a little bit later. I'm just going to work a little bit later. You get home later and later and later. And pretty soon, because of the time you chose to come home late from work, now five years from now, your kids don't want anything to do with you. Now they have the ability where they don't have to be with you. They can drive cars themselves. They live outside the house, and they don't want to come around because you were never around. It's a small thing. I'm going to sit and flip through social media endlessly and tirelessly. I'm, I'm a, a small thing. It's not that big of a deal, right? You go, well, and, and here's the deal. As you go through life, you go, man, like, like, it's just, it's just small stuff. It doesn't really matter, but everything matters. And it's not said to help you uh, feel like the pressure of I have to be perfect. It's to help you remember you are not perfect. Jesus is. And you look to Jesus. And you figure out what Jesus would do. Even as you go through uh, using a compass, how you get there. Right, you pull out your compass, and I'm traveling. I figure out what degree I need to be walking at, and then what I do is I look right up here. This compass actually has a hole I can look through, and you find an object within eyesight that you can see pretty obviously, like a tree or a landmark or a building or something that's not moving, and you go, I just got to walk to that thing. 
So if I can walk to that thing, then I can check my compass again there and keep walking. I can walk to that thing. I can keep walking. I can keep walking. I can keep walking. I fix my eyes on something clearly that I can see, and I'm going to walk in that direction. Isn't it any wonder Hebrews says we are to fix our eyes on Jesus? It says fix your eyes on Jesus, the author. Some, some translations say the author, the finisher, the pioneer, and the perfecter of faith. You find yourself in a situation where you go, I'm not even sure what to do. I, I got in this situation. I don't know how to get out of it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Because here, here's the reality. Drifting is so easy. Again, I mean, like, come on. It's, it's 10 degrees. And it's, it's this much. Drifting is, is so incredibly easy. But the reality is no one destroys their life in a single moment. To put it simply this way, like no one, no, no, no single moment changes, but every single moment leads to change. And you, there's situations, some of you, again, it's, you go through and, and you, you swipe your card and you go, I, I can't really afford this, but I really want it right now. I can afford the payment, not the price. And you swipe and you swipe and you swipe and you swipe and you get to the point where you go, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. I have this mountain of debt. It wasn't the one big thing you bought. It was hundreds of little things that felt painless at the time. You go, oh, that's not a big deal, that's not a big deal, that's not a big deal. It's when you're on social media and you're checking out people and you linger on a post. You go, that's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal because you go from there and you, you linger on a post and then you slide into the DM and you start talking with them and then you're hiding something from somebody and then pretty soon you find yourself in a situation you're going, how in the world did I get here? And this decision is ruining my life. This one didn't ruin your life. That one did. You're walking in life, and you didn't refocus your eyes on Jesus. And we all are susceptible to this. Every single one of us do this. Like, it's, hey, you know what? I'm not going to worry about taking care of my body and stewarding my body as a thing that God has given me to use for him. Instead, I'm going to eat how I want to eat. I'm going to act how I want to act. Don't fall into the lie that skinny means healthy. Right? You can be healthy and not skinny. Look at heavyweight boxing recently. Right? You go and you look. Some of you got that reference. South Campus, you probably did. But here's the deal. If you choose to treat your body however you want to through consuming whatever you, can, you are consuming, it will shorten your life. And life is so fast. It's not stopping. So I need to choose today to be the person that I want to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But I need to choose and look at something small, something I can see right now and walk towards that. It's something small. And again, this seems so insignificant. Don't miss it, though. It's something small like in your workplace saying, I'm going to show up on time and leave on time. I'm just going to show up, work, leave. That's it. Some of you, you will keep jobs simply by showing up and leaving on time. Some of you will move up in your career simply by showing up and saying, I'm going to commit to this one small thing. Even for students, this next school year, you go, I'm going to sit in the front of class. I'm going to take notes in class. I'm going to do something, something small in your family. You can do something like, like simply saying, I'm going to take, when I get home from work, I'm going to take my phone. I'm going to put my phone in another room that's not in our main living space, and I'm going to leave it there. If I really need to check, I'll go check it once an hour to just make sure nothing's burning anywhere, right? But I'm just going to put it out of sight, out of mind. I'm going to focus on my kids. I'm going to watch my kids instead of watching someone else's kids on Instagram, right? Like it's something small. For some of you, it's saying, I'm just going to stop drinking, and for some of you, let, let's be honest, and I don't know who you are, but I feel the need to say, like some of you, you have a drinking problem and you need help. And you are not a good judge on whether you have a drinking problem or not. Ask people around you. I've had people close to me where it's like, dude, every time I come over, you got Jack and Coke all the time. Like you cannot be around people without something in your hand. It just makes it more fun. Show me you can have fun without alcohol and I'll believe you. Again, this is like, I'm not coming at you trying to pound the pulpit or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, like, you keep doing that. Do that for the next five years, and you're going to see relationships. You're going to see health. You're going to see things deteriorate all around you. And right now, it seems fine. But believe there's a compounding interest effect to your life. You continue doing things. Don't go on a walk one time and look at the scale and go, nothing happened. 
You're going to walk today. You're going to walk tomorrow. You're going to walk tomorrow. Don't sit down on the couch with your family and talk one time and go, well, things aren't all fixed. Don't go to counseling one time and say things are fixed. No, take the time. Invest your life into being the person you were called to be because God wants us to change the world. Scripture teaches we are to bring the kingdom of God down to earth. We don't have time to waste because time is not waiting on us. It is moving so fast. So this week, let's make this super simple, super practical. So there's no way for any of us to get around this. Think of one thing you can do. Like what's one thing? Right now, you probably have it. Even if you're following along on the notes on the CC app, there's a notes section at the bottom. Type it right there in the notes. So it could be, I'm going to get home at a specific time. It could be, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to read one Bible verse a day. Don't try to read the whole Bible. Don't try to read a whole chapter a day. Don't try to read a whole paragraph. Just, can you read one verse a day? Can you pray for 30 seconds? Something so small, it seems insignificant right now, but it's putting you on the path where long-term you're going to end up where you desire to be, where God desires you to be, because you took a step of obedience today. Would you all stand with me, North Campus, South Campus, as we pray, as we close this service? Let's pray together. God, thank you for what you're doing in our gathering. God, again, I want to reiterate and just thank you so much for the children that were being dedicated today. God, the families stepping up saying they want to raise their kids to love you. I pray that they would have wisdom and power. God, that we as a church, as a gathering, would have wisdom. God, how to help them raise their kids. But God, also, we would have wisdom on how to be your children and follow how you would have us to act and live, God, as an opportunity to express and show the gift and the grace that we have been given. God, I pray for the people uh, hearing my voice, God, that we would have wisdom on what we can do, God, to take one small step in the right direction. And God, to look to you as the, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. God, to look to your sacrifice on the cross for us and your powerful resurrection saying that you have done everything that we need. We simply need to look at you, God. I pray that, that fathers would be Jesus in their house and care for their families well. God, I pray for mothers that they would be Jesus in their house and care for their families well. I pray for people, God, students and young adults and, and God, people working jobs and going to camps and doing things, God, this summer that we would be Jesus to the people around us, God, that our hearts and minds would begin to mirror your heart and your mind for our community, God, for our gathering. God, we love you and we thank you so much for what you're doing. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate, and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.